0: everyone and welcome to the uncorked corner podcast i'm bianca i'm here with my co-host nick and we are so excited to be welcoming another winery from over on the west coast with us today Uh, we're gonna have you guys introduce yourselves instead of me introducing you i'm gonna have you tell us who you are what you're all about and give us the history of how you got started
1: Hi we are Hunter Glenn. My name is Carolyn Shiflett.
2: My name is Jeffrey Shiflett.
1: Um, We are siblings brother and sister based out in Napa Valley. Um, We grew up here we're fourth generation of a great growing family so our great-grandfather came to the Napa Valley in 1942. Um, He settled on a 120 acre property um, between Napa and Yachtville on the west side of Highway 29, kind of in the foothills of the Myakimas mountain range in the Oak Knoll district. Uh, settled there, it was a property with hay and cattle, horses, stone fruit orchards, no grapes at the time. But um, in the early eighties, our father, who's the oldest of five, he and his siblings convinced their parents to plant grapes. So the family has been growing grapes there since the early eighties. And Jeffrey and I started making a little bit of wine together starting in 2013. Uh, We figured, you know, we grew up here. Our family grows grapes. Maybe we should try our hand at making some wine. Um, Really wanted to make something that we could share with family and friends and really kind of bring it back to our community here. After both kind of getting some perspective after getting out of the Napa Valley, you realize it's actually not a bad place to come home to. (laughs) So we can get into that later. It was a, a bit of a longer, Um, period of time for me to figure that out but Jeffrey realized pretty quickly that he wanted to come back and be in the industry and um, yeah we just kind of jumped in with both feet and now making about 750 cases um, across six different wines
2: and yeah.
3: So were you two the first ones to experiment with the winemaking and get that going or did anyone else try their hand at it before since you know the 80s when you started growing the grapes?
2: A couple people have. Uh, My father made a little bit of wine from 98 to about 2013. Um, He no longer makes his wine. Uh, And then the Shifflett family. So the five siblings uh, have a small label. They do about 300 cases a year uh, and then one other cousin. So like Caroline said, there's five siblings that uh, own the family property now. And then the fourth generation with Caroline and I, there's 14 of us cousins. So lots of what's running around, everyone, a couple of us have our hand in the industry. um, And there's about three family projects all being made off the property.
0: And for everyone listening, the way we first came across you guys, we were excited because we are also a brother and sister duo over here. And it's just uh, cool to see families in business. Uh, So we were very excited to check you guys out. And it sounds like you're doing a pretty awesome job so far.
2: Yeah, family business is always interested Uh, when my dad and my aunt are the ones that write my paycheck because I full time work for the family. But this wine label uh, between Carolyn and I, Hunter Glenn, is really allowing us to kind of put our next spin on the family business and kind of how we see it going forward. So we're pretty excited about that.
3: And do all of your grapes exclusively come from the grapes that you guys grow there?
2: So we, uh, we're making five wines currently. Um, we make a Chardonnay that comes from the Russian River Valley over in Sonoma. Um, that is the only grapes that we do not source from the family property. Um, the other wines uh, come from the family, the Shiflet Ranch uh, in Oak Knoll. Um, so on the property, like Caroline said, it's 120 acres total. Um, we have 54 acres of vineyard. We uh, Started planting the vineyard in the early 80s that was then all wiped out by Phylloxera. And so we redeveloped to the acres that we have today in 93 and 94. Um, So it's again, the five Bordeaux varietals, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Petit Verdot, Malbec. And then we do have a small half acre of Sauvignon Blanc as well. So full-time, the family is grape growers. We sell the majority of our fruit to other wineries uh, here in Napa Valley. And then Hunter Glenn, our wine label, buys some fruit from the Shiflett family uh, to make our wine.
1: So we are one of those clients. And then we do also have five acres of our own up in St. Helena. Um, so a little further north in the valley that we were fortunate enough to be able to purchase in 2015 with our mom. So total family business around here. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, really wanted to be a part of our community and um whether that was grape sources or cpas or patent trademark attorneys um really trying to bring it back to you know those friends and resources and family members in the community Um, so we purchased that in 2015 it was planted with cabernet sauvignon that was part of our blend for our 15 and 16 vintage and then we decided to redevelop that vineyard so we have a couple years in between where we didn't get any fruit um and had to kind of switch entirely to sourcing from our families ranch, but um, 2020 was the first harvest off that property and that will be the basis for our red blend going forward. So currently those three vineyard sources is really what we're working with. And like Jeffrey said, um, he's the vineyard manager for our family's ranch. So um, he went away to college, uh, went to University of Colorado,
2: kind of felt like I just had to get out of Napa. I think every high school kid growing up really hates where you grow up and all this place is boring and you 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 don't really appreciate it. And so I left and uh, thank God my parents were very supportive. They kind of pushed us both out of California. I think they knew we'd always come back because of how special of a place this is. Um, So I went to Colorado uh, out in Boulder for four years and then really just wanted to get home the second after graduation and so moved home, that was 2010, started uh, looking for jobs. I did three different internships for other wineries. So I worked at lease Winery, uh, which is a very small, they do about 10,000 cases, um, winery just south of Yountville. Then the next season I worked for cake bread sellers, which is much larger. They're probably close to hundred thousand or more. Um, and then after that, I went down to Australia for five months and worked in a winery down there. Um, which was an amazing experience just kind of you know travel a little bit see see how they do it down in the southern hemisphere Um, and then at that point when I got home I kind of realized I wanted to be out in the vineyard and I always knew uh, you know I would always knew I'd have some winemaking in my future but I really wanted to concentrate on the farming and so I got a job with a vineyard management company managing several different properties going all over Napa Valley um and worked for them for three years and then the Shiflet family asked me to come full time and work for the family to get a little bit more uh, supervision and quality control on the, the, the family ranch and so I've been working with them since 2015 um, doing the day-to-day farming uh, activities and then making the Hunter Glen wine with Carolyn on the side.
1: And yeah, like I said, I also got out of California swearing that I would never be back um, and would have nothing to do with the wine industry. But I think that was probably our parents' plan all along to just let us go and see how long it took us to come back. And it actually took me a little bit longer. I went to New York City and have been there um, for 12 years and only really came back full time because of the pandemic. So um, I was kind of trying to straddle that bi-coastal lifestyle, but uh, Jeffrey's been asking me, You know when I'm coming home for many years and it was the universe's final push I think to get me back here so it's been a great year kind of both being here and really being able to push this forward
0: yeah so I mean it we hear that story a lot it's funny it's you know (laughs) you go away from home you come back and I think in an area like where you are it's even more prominent like we talk to so many people and anyone who moves there seems to stay there <laughs> and the people who are from there seem to go back. And I've been and there's such a charm and I can't even imagine what it must be like uh, growing up around that environment. Do you feel like, say when you were younger, did you learn around that age about wine, about growing grapes because you had the family or did you really not pay attention to the process of it until you were a little bit older, when you had a little bit more of an idea of what that actually was?
2: I mean, I think for me personally, um, you're always learning. Wine was a big part of our family. It was always on the dinner table. It was always around. It was always talked about. And I was probably always absorbing it, but never really concentrating on it. So I probably didn't know how much I knew. Um, And I think, you know, as a kid, you're just out you know, when we, we lived on the family property for several years there were nine out of the 14 cousins living on the ranch and so we were absorbing everything about the place but i was just riding my bike through the vineyard rows i wasn't concentrating on oh it's bloom time or oh it's coming into harvest and knowing what it was um, and so i think once i got into the industry and started working it all clicked and was like oh yeah this is what i've been doing my whole life i kind of you know, it, it made it a lot easier to get into the industry and kind of jump right in with two feet versus slowly starting.
1: I think I kind of came at it from more of the social aspect of wine. Like Jeffrey said, it was definitely always a part of our lives growing up in terms of being on the dinner table and having probably more exposure than a lot of people. But um, really, as I, you know, kind of came into my early 20s, realized how much I liked wine, food, travel, community, and how much all of those things overlapped, and how they really brought people together to share in something that was so enjoyable, um, and really wanted to kind of, you know, figure out how we could contribute to that, um, and and try our hand at it ourselves.
3: And when it comes to uh, community, and kind of having people around to taste the wines, do you guys have anywhere that is almost like a tasting room or somewhere that people can come and sample your different wines and sit there and have some food or some drinks?
1: Yeah, so we do tastings by appointment um, at Shifflett Ranch and Vineyards in Oaknell. Um, so we are uh, licensed to do tastings there through their winery permit. Um, and yeah, you'll sit down with Jeffrey or I. We taste you through our wines. Um, we, our mom makes these uh, addictive cashews that we serve with our tastings, and that's kind of, we're pretty bare bones, we're casual, you know, we'll talk to you as much about wine or as much about whatever else you want to talk about. Um, Jeffrey's a big hunter, so he's uh, always into talking about that, um, but yeah, we we are available for tastings by appointment.
2: And I think something cool about our experience is, like Caroline said, it is either Caroline or I. We don't have any staff, so it's You're sitting down with the owners and we're really, I think the whole industry is kind of having a shift from those tasting room or tasting experiences where you go, you belly up to the bar, some random employee pours you a glass and walks away. We sit down with you for two hours. You're in our lives. We're talking about everything. Um, And it really, our whole goal is to make it so when you buy that bottle and take it home and open it for your friends, it doesn't matter what it tastes like. You're reliving that experience of sitting there. You're not smelling the blueberries, you're talking and enjoying it with friends and family. And that's really our passion and why we are in this industry is because it's just bringing people together for you know good conversations and having some fun.
0: Speaking of tasting rooms, we have some wine in our offices here uh, to do some tasting since we are all virtual. So Nick, do you want to kick off the tasting and we can walk through the different wines that we have and then also the other wines in your lineup, we can talk through those as well. So everybody has a feeling for your full portfolio.
3: Yeah. And uh, so as everyone that has listened before knows and any of you that are new, I am not the big wine person here. I enjoy drinking it. I'm definitely the type to drink it around dinner and stuff like that, but I'm not going to be able to pull out all sorts of tasting notes and smells and everything like you're talking about there. Um, so what Bottom I do. How
1: do you like it? That's all we care. <laughs> that's
3: exactly. That's all that really matters, right? Yeah. So, so
2: do you like it? Do you want to
3: buy it? I'll sell it to you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I have the 2017 Napa Valley red wine. That's what I have here.
2: Okay.
3: That's what I cracked open uh, tonight. Cool.
2: So with this wine, so this is um, kind of our our starting uh, red wine Um, will be the second wine that you would taste in a normal tasting with us we kind of start with the Chardonnay but since you have that in front of you we will go right into the red. Um, 2017 was a great year we really try and focus on making our red wines in the style that we like to drink um, a little bit lighter a little bit more fruit forward than some of what Napa has become. We're using a very restrained use of new French oak. So that's only about 25, 30% new French oak on the 2017 red blend. Um, Really trying to have that, the light cherries kind of red fruit characteristics but still have a good mouthfeel of a complete wine. So we kind of want that medium body, medium acid, um, good long finish. Um, A thing you can notice with this wine is the color I think the color across all of our red wines is very unique to the Shifflett Ranch itself. Um, The ranch is all 100% volcanic rhyolite rock. Um, And I think that kind of, no matter what variety of grape it is, it kind of has that garnet ruby color um, that is unique to the soil type and the property. Um, Aged 21 21 months in, like I said, about 30% new French oak. Uh, and then we like to do a year of bottle age. That's why you're drinking a 17. Um, a lot of wineries have moved on to their 18s, but um, we kind of want to make our wines drink now. So when you buy them and you, you don't have to go sell them at your house, you can open them and drink them. They're made in the style that will age for several years, 10, 15 years easily. Um, but they're also ready to drink right when you open them. And so we really kind of focus on that uh, aspect.
3: So, you know on taste too so it is delicious and i definitely get what you're saying with the um the fruitiness a lot of red wines and stuff that i've tried uh they tend to be i tend to get more dryness especially on like the back of the tongue after you sip sip it and it's almost like it dries up back there and you get kind of a almost a bitterish aftertaste none of that with this it's very um like you said it's got kind of just very it's almost sweet and fruity in a way uh almost like some uh I'm trying to compare it to something like or Rioja or something that I've had before, like a good Rioja where it has a lot more of those fruity notes that I'm getting yeah, out I of mean, it.
1: Yeah, I mean the dry mouth that you're speaking about, like that's all influenced by the amount of tannins. Um and we don't really like to drink wines that where the tannins overpower the fruit or the acid. So really that's why we use kind of a pretty restrained new oak uh, program, keeping it, you know, on this wine 25 to 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, which just means that's the percent of wine that sat in a new barrel, like for maybe those that don't know, after a, a barrel is used one time, um, it kind of diminishes the amount of oak flavor that it imparts into the wine. Um, and you can use it for a couple of different years until it becomes completely neutral. Um, so when we say, you know, 25% new oak, if you think of having four barrels, that means one of them was new and three of them were neutral. And then when we blend it all back together, you get that percentage. And it just kind of influences the tannin structure, but without being super, you know, powerful. It's not like you take a sip and you're licking the inside of a, of a barrel, which can sometimes happen with certain wines.
3: Um, when it comes to that aging, so you mentioned it's a year aged in bottles. And how long is it aged in the barrels? Is it about 18 months or so with these?
1: 21 months is, is what we're working with at the moment. Um, and then the red wine is, anywhere from six to nine months in bottle. And then our Hunter Glenn wines, our single vineyards, um, at least a year in bottle.
2: Very and you mentioned cool. that well, you would delicious. normally
0: start with that Chardonnay. So let's take a step back and have you tell us a little bit about that Chardonnay. I know. I was reading that it was not buttery as people might <laughs> like to say about a Chardonnay. So let's talk about one, what that means, because everybody knows they hear buttery Chardonnay and they don't know what it is, but
1: they say it. Yeah. I mean, so Chardonnay let's, let's <laughs> as a grape has such a wide spectrum across the board. It can be, you know, crisp, mineral, um, bright, and then it can also be super rich and unctuous and buttery and oaky and those are kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, Our Chardonnay is inspired by our mom. She only drinks Chardonnay. So we started with a red wine in 2013. That was the first wine we made. And then we knew we wanted to layer on a white wine and we knew it had to be Chardonnay because, you know, she would probably disown us if we started with a Sauvignon Blanc or something like that. Um, So we, Jeffrey went to her, I mean, I guess- Yeah, I kind of
2: started and I like, no, I have not, didn't go to school for winemaking. So I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants on this stuff. And I asked her, you know, what do you want out of a Chardonnay? And she's completely uneducated in uh, winemaking and more just a drinker. And she said, I need something that's crisp and clean, but round and buttery, which are exact opposite ends of the Chardonnay spectrum. And so with the Chardonnay, we really try and, we really try and make it a crisp, acidic, very, mineral mineraly floral aromatics kind of keep it that crisp wine in the start and so we do that by using the old wenti clone um and so with um, under the chardonnay grape varietal uh, there are several different clones that can bring different aspects to the wine and so the old wenti clone is known for having what they call chicks and hens so on the same cluster of grapes there'll be one fully ripe, big, delicious berry next to what they call shot berries. So they're little, um, something during the pollination process didn't go fully right. And they're kind of underdeveloped, under ripe berries on the same cluster. And what that does is it really brings us a good base layer of acid and that crispness to the wine. Um, and then we make it all stainless steel tanks, really cold, slow fermentation, and that again, trying to just keep it as crisp and clean as possible. And then when we get into the aging, so then everything goes out of tank into barrel, um, we do age everything in oak barrels, but we only do about 10% new French oak for the Chardonnay. Um, and so now when we're getting into aging, the oak program, um, we also put it through a secondary fermentation called mallactic fermentation, where the second yeast eats malic acid and turns it into lactic acid and kind of that That plus the oak program is where you get that buttery roundedness of a Chardonnay. So if you were gonna make a big, heavy round Chardonnay, it'd be 60, 70% new oak, 100% malolactic fermentation. We're we're rounding out, do about 10% new oak, and then we only do 50% of the barrels through malolactic fermentation. So we make it really crisp, round out half of it, blend it all back together to kind of land right in the middle and, My mom loves it. She does all our accounting and we pay her in wine. So she's happy. We're happy that uh, it all works.
0: The most important part. (laughs) And the other one that I have over here is the Cabernet Franc, which Nick and I were talking about. We don't see a lot of them. So I was intrigued to see that you had that. It's actually one of my favorite wines. And this is beautiful. I was tasting it while we were talking. Um, It has such a great flavor. It's a nice, rich flavor. I think it's very like smooth. It's very soft. I think it has a great finish. So can you tell us a little bit
1: about the Cabernet Franc and what makes that different from other Cabernets that are on the market? Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to send you those three wines because I think, you know, the Red blonde Chardonnay, those are kind of our two foundational wines, but then the Cabernet Franc is something that we just kind of fell in love with. And you're right, it's not, you know, the the predominant grape that you see um, standing on its own too often. Uh, So we really wanted to stand behind single vineyard, 100% Cabernet Franc. So this comes from Sheffield Ranch and Vineyards, our family's property. um, And it is 100% Cabernet Franc. We jump up to 50% uh, new oak. So a little bit more oak on this, but I think it just helps give it that structure that the grape needs um, to help kind of soften it and and give it the right tannin profile. Um, But we just absolutely love this wine. We made it for the first time in 2014. um, And just thought it was such a beautiful expression of the grape. I think sometimes it can get a bad rap. It it can sometimes be a little bit mean and green. It's known for having what's called pyrazines, um, which kind of people associate flavors of like green bell pepper or maybe something a little bit more on the bitter side. Um, But I think, you know, the the positioning of this vineyard in particular, it's on a southeastern exposure. super rocky soil like Jeffrey said it gets a lot of sun all day long and then you get radiant heat from the the soil underneath we're able to ripen on all sides um, and and give it just kind of this soft elegant expression I think it leans a little bit more savory versus our other red wines um, but it has this really beautiful like kind of dark fruit backbone to it all balanced with nice acidity um, and just kind of comes together in a really I think unique expression for it. your favorite, right? Yeah, Jeffries I would Morgan. say
2: it's one of my favorites, or is my favorite, that in the Merlot that we make. Um, I'm super excited to do it as a single varietal. Um, like Caroline said, it's a classic Bordeaux blending grape. Uh, Cab Franc and Merlot is probably the most classic Bordeaux blend that you can do, um, but it's got some great characteristics to it, and we kind of want to showcase that, and I think the Shifflet Ranch allows us to do that, because there's not that much good Cab Franc out there. And I think that's why you don't see it um, as much as a single varietal because when it's great, it's an amazing wine, but when it's not, it's a little bit more on that harsh side and you, and then in that, those wines, it adds a lot of character and and backbone to a blend. And so it is a great, you know, you can have great uses for it on all sides of the spectrum, but we really find that this wine stands alone and is really amazing.
0: And Caroline, you mentioned the loving foods. So what are some of your favorite foods to pair with your wine lineup that you
1: have? I mean, one thing I love about our wines is I think they all stand on their own. It, they're not these big, bold wines that you have to have a steak with to cut through. Um, you know, they are they can be enjoyed entirely on their own. Um, but I think, you know, red wine and steak, obviously that's a classic, easy pairing. I think, you um, we make a a beautiful Syrah that's the perfect barbecue wine. Um, I think the red wine too like you know just easy drinking with hard cheeses and charcuterie it just makes like a a perfect pairing and then Chardonnay with um, you know obviously fish but you know buttery scallop dishes or um, creamy lemon pasta those kind of things I think are all great pairings. Hey, Nick, I heard uh,
0: Sarago's barbecue. Looks like you have something new to add to your plate
3: there. I'll <laughs> yeah, You a big barbecue guy, Nick? I am. <laughs> I yeah. I'll i talk about it as much as I can, but yeah, big barbecue guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the hunt for a new smoker for this year so I can get after some new stuff, but uh, um, definitely, nice. I love making brisket, ribs, all the uh, classics there.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, anything like that.
2: Yeah, you should check out. I have a,
3: a Green Mountain
2: smoker. It's kind of like Traeger, but different yeah. brand i'm looking green Love mountain
3: it. and we had a i don't know if you guys have ever heard of the strength and scotch podcast we had them on as well they're big barbecue guys barbecue enthusiasts and they were telling me about the gorilla grills Grilla. and i'm looking oh. at those as well um so i'm between either of those i think those two are going to be the best bang for the buck value wise so that's yeah. uh, what i'm looking for definitely going to go a pellet this year i've tended to go with the offset smokers like classic wood But uh, where I'm not always, you know, around, like we have them up at uh, my girlfriend's lake house where the smokers are at now. So, you know, when you're up there and you're going on the boat and stuff, I don't want to always have to sit there and babysit the wood all day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So know, the make it like, easy
2: all these green mountains you can even do it from your phone now
3: exactly yeah
2: on the boat and turn it on an hour before you get home and you're ready to go
3: uh-huh yep that's why I'm going with a pellet this year but I'll be <laughs> picking one up soon for sure now that we're getting up there probably around Memorial Day and we start getting up there making some good barbecue
2: there you go yeah I mean the wines are I mean that they're great wines to just kind of hang out and drink. Uh, we like to call our Chardonnay a porch pounder because you can really just sit there on a hot day. It's crisp, it's cooling, uh, it's really uh, easy to drink. Um,
1: what I love about the Chardonnay too, it's like the malolactic fermentation and just the aging process that we do do. Um, gives it this weight on the finish. So it it, it has a creaminess to it without being oaky or buttery. And I think that just strikes the perfect balance. It still remains crisp, refreshing, but you just get this amazing mouthfeel that I'm just loving right now about it.
3: And when it comes to the aging, so I know you mentioned there's the percentage of new oak that you use for the remainder of that. Do you pay any attention to what was in the barrel before aging? Or is it all stuff that was aged the same wines prior that you're trying to use to kind of maintain flavors? Or do you you ever mix it up like uh, with uh, different wines, like something stronger, like more of a sherry or something like that, or even more whiskey, like pre-used whiskey barrels or anything like that?
2: Yeah, and we haven't done anything that crazy yet. I know there's a lot, there's a big push in the industry for actually uh, like wine barrels going to the the whiskey industry, not the other, not coming this way. Um, there's a lot of whiskey being aged in wine barrels. So we stick to kind of our program, each varietal of wine. Um, I handpick certain cooperages, uh, certain brands of barrels that we like to use. Um, so mostly stays the same. And kind of to what Caroline was talking touching on earlier. So for a red wine, one fill would be considered the 21 months of aging. So that's basically two years. Um, and in that two year process, you're absorbing about 70% of that barrel's life and the, the oak influence that it gives on the wine. So then that would be if I filled the wine, a brand new barrel in 2020, in 22, when I fill it again, it would have about 30% life left in it to kind of contribute a little bit. And then 22, 23. So I fill it again in 24 and it would be considered a neutral vessel. And the neutral vessels are still good. We still continue to use the oak because you're getting that oxygen exchange um, through the barrel, it's kind of breathing and yet a little bit evaporates every month. So we go in and top it to make sure there's no headspace, So it's a completely full barrel, but you are getting that you know, ex- exchange with the environment. And so that's why we're using oak barrels. Um, but yeah, so like I said, about 70% on that first fill, 30% after that, then it becomes a neutral vessel.
0: So when you are you know you're working with wine all the time and you are now too Carolyn, since you're you're there and really hands-on now living there what are some of your favorite things to do when you're not making wine?
2: Well for me it would be probably hunting and fishing um big fly fisherman out uh I have a drift boat so try and sneak out as much as I can um, really realizing now that the career I chose is just killing my hobbies because summertime uh, and then into fall when it's the best fishing and hunting is just our craziest year time for harvest. So um, I'm switching, I do a lot of duck hunting, kind of work six, seven days a week from about February through October. Um, And then November, December, I really try and disappear, uh, slow down work, stay with the family, um, skiing, duck hunting, get, get out of here a little bit and then recharge and get right back into it for the next year.
3: Bianca's fiance is a big uh hunter I haven't I've dabbled a little bit in it but I really think I'd enjoy duck hunting I have to get more into that I do a lot of uh skeet and trap shooting okay so yeah. I already kind of I guess I enjoy that and I think translating that and getting some uh, good food out of it too I think would be a lot. exactly time. we so.
2: love Caroline loves to do a duck dinner for us when I bring it home um and the other aspect of it is I have two dog, two hunting dogs um that are fully trained for hunting and so now it's kind of shifted from i don't care about killing the ducks it's more about getting the dogs to work and watching them retrieve and you know maybe they they go on that blind retrieve and find the missing duck and that really means more than coming home with seven or eight ducks um, besides when caroline harps on me for not letting her cook them
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i would just my passions definitely lie in the culinary pursuits cooking entertaining um And I'm just, I'm excited to be here and to be more hands on the winemaking process. Like I've been doing, you know, all the sales and marketing from behind a computer, but excited to be here and I love being outside. Um, So really being able to take advantage of kind of the, you know, nine months of spring like weather that we have around here.
2: (laughs) The weather is amazing there. (laughs) Yeah, we jumped right into mid-summer. It was 92 today. Wow. Uh, so very, you know, should be 70s right now, but we are uh, dry and hot already. So we're kind of changing our mindsets for the farming year, really uh, concentrating on saving water wherever we can and kind of setting the vines up for success, uh, knowing that it's going to be a really a really dry year.
3: Up here, it's more like nine months of winter. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, that's the truth. <laughs>
2: That's alright though. I'd love to come ice fishing up there and do some do some
3: of that stuff. Oh yeah, lots uh, of that. Great. Uh, we're right on the ocean too, so we got plenty of, up here in Maine. A lot of striper fish and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. uh, I never really did that when I lived in Boston. I had a lot of short like bass stuff, you know, growing up. But I've been trying to get into that more, and that's a it's a whole learning curve trying to get into it. It's tough when you're going off the shore and trying to find them, but. Yeah. Uh,
2: I, got, I have a. I have a college roommate who lives in New Jersey and he goes up uh, your way all the time striper fishing and he's standing chest high and crashing waves in a full wetsuit catching 30 40 pound fish right off the beach which is pretty crazy
3: yeah it's wild stuff to see but hopefully uh, I learn a bit now that we're up here and uh, I'll get into it and that's another good way to put some food on the table too I love yeah. it that's one of my favorite pastimes, especially in the summer when the weather's nice and everything you can't beat fishing yeah so well thank you both so much for coming on tonight we enjoyed the wines we had such a great time talking to you uh before we wrap up why don't you tell us where our listeners can find you online on social media and where they can get their hands in your wine
1: yeah um so we are at hunterglenn.com that's h-u-n-t-e-r-g-l-e-n-n so two n's um, and we have shopping cart we ship you know, nationwide. Um, so you can definitely find our wines there. Um, and then, yeah, come visit us. Like I said, we do tastings by appointment. Um, you can reach out. There's a contact form on our website, or you can email me at caroline at hunterglenn.com. And then we're on Instagram at HG Estate.
3: Great. And we'll also have links in the description below for anyone listening as well. So you can just go right down there and click it. It'll take you right to everything.
1: Awesome. awesome. Thank you guys so yeah, much. We you. appreciate it you know, getting our, our story out there and helping us build our brand. Thank
0: absolutely. You. And you'll be seeing us tag you on social media and our, our own home food pairings. Uh, yeah. So thank well, you so much. Please come
2: visit <laughs> us whenever you guys get a chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's opening back up. We can feel it. People are, people are starting to, to come back, which is a really nice feeling. Yeah, I think there's a trip in our future, hopefully.
3: Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> All right, thanks again. Good night, guys. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content.
3: And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening.